Hey everybody, sorry I missed last week. I work and this podcast is a passion project, so I do it myself. So sometimes when I get super busy, I just have to not produce it for a week. Sorry, I hope you guys didn't miss me too much. I know some of you did. I'm winking. I'm going to cut straight to the podcast soon. I'm not going to intro with all the bad shit that's going on in the world because we cover that in the podcast, this coming up episode with uh, Jen Curran, who I just want to thank before we even start for being so open and, and willing to go to some really cool, funny, and fun places. We do a pretty good job of touching on all that. So before I get started, first I wanted to thank a couple of people, Pat, and also push a really worthy cause. My brother's girlfriend, who is amazing, works for a soup kitchen in Cincinnati, in Over the Rhine, which used to be a pretty impoverished community and now is gentrifying, so, I mean, that comes with all of its own whatever. Anyway, they were broken into, uh, and somebody stole their bank account information, their computers, their checks, because, really, if you're going to rob someone, you might as well be the biggest possible a-hole, right? You could have broken into any of the gentrifying, beer-drinking, man-bun-possessing homes in this up-and-coming community, but instead, you decide to break into a soup kitchen. Still, if you guys can help, I will be sharing the GoFundMe page from my Facebook, although my Facebook is still on the rise, so I don't begrudge you if you haven't seen it. Anyway, the GoFundMe is at www.gofundme.com slash whkitchen. So if you can go there and donate any money, anything could help. These people do an amazing job. They're all incredible people, and it sucks what happened to them. So lend a hand. I know that anybody who listens to this podcast is really amazing, and I love you. Anyway, please like, share, review, review, subscribe, review, review. Really, it it takes less than a minute if you can just type up some words and hit five stars, and it goes a long way to making this podcast more visible. And here's a couple of words from another podcast on the Nerdist School Network. Hey, I'm Chris. And I'm Cameron. And we love Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and all the DC comic characters. And we think you might too. Or at least just Batman. (laughs) And like us, maybe you also yearn for a time when Superman wasn't so broody and Batman wasn't a mass murderer. So join us as we revisit Bruce Timm's classic DC animated universe that started up with Batman the Animated Series and runs through Superman, Justice League, and so much more. We talk about comic origins, inspirations of the films, character psychology, and why this is the definitive DC Comics adaptation. So check out Tim Talk on the Nerdist School Network, subscribe on iTunes, and listen to our latest episode every Tuesday. Hi. Hi, everybody. It's been a while since I've been in the booth, but I'm really glad to be back. Uh, This week, this is just about the end of October, has been just a shit show and a garbage fire all rolled into one. I don't even know where to start. Um, If you're in the future and happen to care if everything isn't on fire there, too, which it probably is, There are nonstop hurricanes. One might hit Ireland. The entirety of California seems like it's on fire. There is a truck bombing in Mogadishu that killed 300 people that everyone's kind of glossing over because we're in America. And also the Harvey Weinstein scandal, if you could call um, just a nightmare and a half a scandal, has really come to head this week, both making women, not making, but having women feel courageous enough to come out with their stories, but also forcing men to look at this 
nice guy myth as a bunch of bullshit. Um, and that's maybe a weird spot for us all to be in right now. Hopefully good. Hopefully this is a, this shit's going to make us all better thing. But, um, yeah, right now I just want to talk about things that maybe make me and my guest happy. So guys, with all of that bullshit going on in the world, at least there's true crime, baby. It was great until the baby. No, we're keeping it. (laughs) Guys, I'm with Jen Curran. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Jen. I'm a, I guess I'm a sketch comedian. Uh, I act a little. I direct some teams and teach and coach comedy, sketch comedy, improv. I run the Nerdist School with Ptolemy Slocum, uh, that kind of thing. She's big shit in the improv community, in the sketch community. She doesn't want to say it, but Jen (laughs) is a part of... Harvard sailing team, which if you were a little nerdy uh, improv kid like I was in 2008, is very big news. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, they were they were uh, the Monty Python of the YouTube era. Oh, sweet. We should get t-shirts. You should That's get perfect. t-shirts to say yeah. exactly that. <laughs> uh, yes, Harvard sailing team, sketch comedy group, a lot of fun. Okay, I feel like most people listening to this podcast know what true crime is because true crime really blew up with podcasts. But yes. do you want to... Give, I don't know, maybe my grandma who's not aware what uh, true crime is. Do you want to give her like a an intro? Yeah. So I think of true crime as basically any documentary or book or podcast or TV show where they're exploring a true thing that happened, a crime, a murder usually, but sometimes people live. <laughs> sometimes. I'm only laughing because what a cruel thing to say. Sometimes people live, though. Yeah. Um, it's a mur- it'll be a murder, but sometimes it's other stuff, right? Uh, people, uh, sexual harassment, rape, you know, all kinds of things that you can imagine fall into the true crime category. Um, but any a thing like that where you're experiencing that in a kind of documentary style. So podcasts, particularly took that genre and were able to really run with it because it really works in like the podcast slash documentary medium where you're exploring a real subject. But true crime has actually been around for many, many years before that. I got into it as a probably teenager or kid, like watching Dateline and stuff like that on TV, which is the same concept. I mean, Dateline used to be kind of more of a 2020 type show where they would do news, not just true crime, but it really, I think in the 90s, took a turn to being a lot of episodes were just about murders or kidnappings or, you know, people, true crime stories, basically a mini documentary about, you know, one night. It doesn't scare you to listen to this stuff? No. And that's so strange, right? Because I really don't like scary movies. I won't go with you to one. Like I, I'm not into it, right? Right. No, I've been, I've been asking you to go to scary movies like for a long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, I won't go with you, Alex. Yeah, I no. won't. Okay. I'm not coming I over. brought you on this podcast <laughs> to ask if you'd go see a scary movie with cuz I'm too scared and I want you to go along. <laughs> I will not. So you don't like to be scared. You don't like scary movies. I don't like movies, horror movies. But you like this and this does not scare me. I find it almost preventative. <laughs> I honestly think I am doing research. If I'm being totally honest about why I'm interested, I think it's because I want to know what the worst possible thing is. I don't want the horror movie version. I don't want to know what your idea of the worst thing is, right? That's just human imagination. I want to seriously withstand someone telling me the true worst 
possible thing that could happen. And for some reason, my whole life I've had a weird fascination with, I wonder if everybody does, with a certain thing. I've had a weird fascination with the idea of, not life and death, of someone who's a murderer and the average person. Who's capable of murder. And how does it happen? And not... There are evil people in the world, but they don't always murder people. Bingo. Right? And there are good people who do murder people. And where, right, that line, that's... It's very interesting, right? Do you think that's made you empathetic towards people who others might think of as bad? I think I've always, since I was a little kid, had a... I don't know if it's an empathy, but it's a, a curiosity about criminals specifically. I, I want to hear you explain to me what you were thinking about when you walked down the street and hunted that person who you ended up killing. Very curious about other people. I like to ask about habits. I'm, uh, if there's a thing where it's like we took 50 photos of people eating dinner in different cities in the country, I'm looking through every one of them. I'm interested in that kind of stuff. And I'm interested in the fact that human beings murder each other. I'm, I find that fascinating and unbelievable. Um, can't remember how I heard this, but I learned this a while ago. Most murders are not evil, crazy people, serial killers, and psychopaths. Most murders are you and I with a set of circumstances that are very extreme where we're pushed to the brink in a passion, a crime of passion, they call them, in a passionate moment where we see no way out and we think what we're doing is the thing we need to do. It's not a certifiable lunatic who use, could cut open their brain and it would literally look different than yours and mine, which is how serial killers and psychopaths are. Does that make you... I'm trying to find the right words. Not optimistic. That's definitely not what I'm looking for. Is that... Comforting. De- comforting or depressing? Hmm. That it's not... There aren't a bunch of serial killers on the loose. It's you and I... I don't find it depressing. Maybe it's comforting. I don't, I, I find it to be neutral, I guess. <laughs> okay. I think it's fascinating. I think that's amazing because that's my answer. When I was eight, I was, t- you know, when you're a little kid, you have your greatest fears, right? Snakes, the ocean. Mine was for sure like murder, like murderers. I don't, I don't know why. Mine was somebody breaking into my house and murdering us. Was there a murderer in your? No. Okay, it's, yeah. I mean, what was your, like, greatest fear as, like, an eight-year-old kid? I can't remember. I'm sure it was uh, probably some social fear, like, pooping myself in public. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have, like, ghosts, and, you know, people have shit where they're, like, oh, yeah, I've always been terrified of Maybe it was, like, ghosts or something, and then I've become kind of a very stout atheist, and there's no room for ghosts in that viewpoint. Yeah. Um, But if you would be, like, laying in your bed as an eight-year-old and, like... The lights are out and you're freaking yourself out. Mm-hmm. Remember that feeling of like getting scared at nothing? Yeah. What were you churning up? Like something on the wall coming alive, uh, someone breaking in, a clown under the bed, a monster. It'd probably be ghosts. I have such ghosts, yeah. a, a bad memory for that sort of thing. Yeah, sure, sure. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think it would be ghosts. Because like you'd watch the Discovery Channel and there'd be like... 50 most haunted places yeah. in Europe, right? right? And the dude would have this creepy voice. And now looking back, you're like, oh, that he's just showing me the inside of a castle, and that guy's voice is creepy. Right. But as a kid, it's horrifying. And yeah. so I was afraid of, like, ghosts and all the creepy shit that they show you. Yeah. And 
yeah, I'd just be lying in bed, like, running through that in my head. That's really interesting to me because yeah. when I was a kid, they didn't have ghost shows. The, these Dateline shows were the, the main thing. Oh. And I was a TV hog. So I wonder if you're laying in bed thinking about the thing that you... You watched on, watched on TV. TV. Yeah. Because the first thing I ever saw on TV, like, not saw on TV, but the horror thing was uh, Jason, a Jason movie as a five-year-old. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and it fucked me up. For sure. Like at a friend's house, saw, and I was ruined by it. Yeah, that would tear you apart. Yeah. You want to know the thing that tore me apart when well, I was a yes, kid? Yes, what? I was at my grandparents' house, and I was playing, like, downstairs or something, and I walked by, they had a big screen TV downstairs, and my grandpa was watching Indiana Jones and oh. the the Ark of the Covenant, the first one, and it was the Ark of the Covenant scene oh. where the face melts off. Oh. I walked in right for that scene. I was like, Grandpa, what the fuck? <laughs> and he was like, go away, this is an adult movie. Oh and for the God. longest time, I thought that's what adult films were. You're kidding. So, yeah, for like for the <laughs> longest time, I would not, like, oh, yeah, it's an adult film. And like, why are you t- saying like that? Adult films are horrible. Horrifying. Oh I don't want to see that. You thought it was like a snuff film type thing. Yeah, but like beyond snuff film, like a weird Cronenberg gore thing. That That is a horrifying image, that image. Yeah. And then I found yeah. out what they actually were, and it was like 180. <laughs> now I'm <laughs> on board actually? for this thing. What yeah. is it actually? Adult films. Oh, like, oh yeah. adult films. <laughs> Jen, wait, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the face. Jen, have you, face. Never, have you never, never heard of pornography? No. Oh, God. I mean, I've heard of it, but I'm not allowed to watch it. Moving on. Uh, so let's let's try for the big question. This doesn't yes. have to be the time that it works out. Because sometimes we go for it in the beginning and it doesn't quite hit it. But like, does this make the world... It doesn't have to make the world better. Does it either make it better for you? And I think it does. And I'd love to hear more about that. Or does the fact that people are making this make the world a better place to live in or make it more worth living in this world? Mm -hmm. Well, I have two thoughts. So for me personally, I'm a little bit of an introvert. And I also think I, especially with the podcast at this point, because the way you hear it in your ear is so intimate, you know? Yeah. It's even more intimate than watching the TV. You want to... Be real intimate with our listeners right now. Get even closer. Hi. Hi. Did you kill someone? If you did, tweet at Jen. She'll give you her Twitter at the end of this. Um, I, I, I think that I'm using it a little bit to practice my, um, to work the muscle of my judge of character. Sometimes you'll find out at the end of the episode, at the end of the podcast, that this person you've been listening to and has been talking the whole show is the killer and you've just been duped. So a lot of it is, you know, they, they'll play 911 calls. A lot of it is you trying to, me trying to hear the answer to figure out, can I tell that you're the killer or did I think you didn't do it? Did you trick me or not? So a little bit of self-preservation in that too. So for me, it's this, there's an introverted feeling when I put on the podcast or turn on the show, you know, and it'll, start with like setting up when and where and it gives you like a real it's like reading a newspaper article it gives you a real sense of who what when where and then it can tell you what happened and i really enjoy almost playing detective along with them trying to figure out how soon i can figure out 
what's going on. So that's another aspect of it that's really good for me personally. And it also strokes that like introverted feeling of podcast, taking a walk or being alone in my house watching the, watching the show. Yeah. But in the world, in a big picture sense, do you know, um, have you heard of My Favorite Murder, which is one of the big murder I've- podcasts? Through, through like you and Lindsay, yeah. who also did the show, Look at the Plants episode. It's the first one. Perfect. She's uh, on the Money Pit, and we all on the Money Pit seem to like true crime, all the women, which is fascinating. It is really fascinating. And it's a common thing. Yeah. The, it, I didn't want to say it in the beginning, but it feels like it's a mostly female audience. It for sure is, 100%. Uh, but My Favorite Murder is this huge podcast that started out as just two women comedians, two women talking about true crime. They both had an interest in it. Neither has a particular expertise, any different than you or I would. And they decided to start a podcast where they're just sharing their favorite murders. So it starts to, you know, the five you know, and then you end up having to look them up. But now they have exploded. And I'm not talking like they marketed it right, they met the right people, they got on the right network. I'm talking they had an idea that was one of those things where it's just right time, right place, right subject matter, and they are top, I don't know, 30 podcasts. They're in the top 30 podcasts of all podcasts every week for uh, over a year, doing huge sold live, whole, excuse me, huge sold out live shows, a whole tour. Like they have a huge explosive career from this. They're both making tons of money, tons of like uh, exposure, whatever. And I truly believe it's because of the subject matter. They're funny and interesting and cool and smart, but the subject matter and the way they've sliced it for people, specifically for women, because that's primarily who seems to listen to it. And there's a huge Facebook group, the My Favorite Murder Facebook group that has, you know, I don't know at this point, hundreds of thousands of people on it. Those are mostly women. The way that they have been able to tap into that audience is not just by, because of course in 2016, 2017, you can't just exploit this stuff, right? Right. It's literally by recognizing what it is that they're into it for and exploring it and talking about it out loud and starting to develop this message about being staying away from getting murdered. Oh, shit. So their tagline about getting out at the end of every show is stay sexy, don't get murdered. And they've developed all these, you know, they say the shit in the podcast that these super fans draw up in cool <clears throat> graphics or make T-shirts out of mugs. You know, there's a whole Etsy explosion. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So one, a couple of their things are fuck politeness because you start to see a pattern in these stories they tell where women give someone a ride, get killed, you know, that type of thing, right? So fuck politeness. There's a one that says toxic masculinity ruins the party again because a lot of these stories end up, and again, I don't think they knew this when they started to do it. I don't think any of us were thinking about it. First episode as we're listening and becoming fans. But the stories are mostly men who go nuts for whatever reason and kill women. And I don't think they're specifically looking for that. There's tons of, you know, other stories out there. That's just what there is. That is That's what there is. So they've started to take responsibility for communicating with people, safety, being conscientious. They have a mental illness awareness where it's like just because you're mentally ill doesn't mean you're killing people. They're trying to be really respectful and conscientious of why are we doing this? I mean, we have these millions of listeners now. What's the point? 
right? And the point is advocating for victims and their families, making sure that we don't know the names of the murderers, we know the names of the people who died, and making sure that people who are interested in this can benefit from it and learn stuff. So crazy stuff has happened, like, this is insane. There, there's, you know, this Facebook community. So people will see each other on the street if you're wearing a T-shirt. Say uh-huh. sexy. I've had it happen at Disneyland. Oh, that's awesome. Of times. But then there's other stuff. This stuff is crazy. So there was a post on Facebook once where, I'm like getting chills just thinking about it. I forgot about this. Where a woman, they're called mur- murderinos, <laughs> is the, uh, the fans, right? A woman, I know it's so ridiculous, saw... A lot of these stories will be, he was in the back seat, I didn't see him. He was crouched down behind the car, I didn't see him. Oh, shit. There's a whole um, MO for a guy who had, and this is apparently a thing now, put something on her windshield. And the idea is you get in the car, and then you see it, and you get out, and that's when they attack you. Oh. And this happens. So if you ever see something on your windshield... Like, look before you instantly get out of the car to grab it, if you're in a dark spot especially. Okay. Because it's not necessarily accidental or a ticket that it's there. Right. That can be a provocative thing. So these are tips that women start to have. Pepper spray, all the different shit you got to know, right? Never go to a second location. If he gets you in a car, don't let him. Like, that means you're probably going to get killed. Yeah. Lots of that kind of stuff. So this woman came out of a bar. She saw... A, I might get the story wrong. She saw a girl about to get in her car, and she saw a man crouch down behind the car waiting for her. Late, bartender, getting off work, woman leaving the bar, dark parking lot. No one else around. Well, it's two women. It doesn't mean they can overpower him. He could kill both of them. Right. Especially if he has a weapon. So she walks up to her friend and she says, hey, I just wanted to make sure you're staying sexy. Karen and Georgia told me, who are the women on the podcast, that you um, need to stay sexy tonight. So be careful or something like that. And kind of being like, and I think she took her back into the bar. They called the police. They found the guy. Etc. Etc. Or he overheard them, stood up, walked away, had a knife. I can't remember which it was. But literally yeah. in public, these two fucking strangers, and the girl knew what she meant, is my point, because she had listened to the show oh. too. Whoa. So these women were able to be like, hi, I'm a murderino. You're about to get killed. Oh my God, I need a second. Wow. How fucking nuts is that? That's fucking nuts. So, like, I don't think these women knew when they started this that this is what this would become, this advocacy for, you know, people and victims and watching out for violence and taking care of each other. But that's what it has become. And it's amazing because you realize that, you know, that Louis C.K. joke about uh, the greatest cause of death among women is men. Yeah. It's ironic that, you know, now, now he's probably a creep. Exactly. Great. Um, but that that is so, you know, people save themselves from all kinds of ailments, and it makes sense that women would find a way to be like, oh, my God, you're killing us. Let us figure out exactly how and why. I mean, I think that was my interest as a kid. If so, I didn't, There wasn't a dad in my house growing up, so it's me and my mom alone. So if someone breaks into a window, I want to know what the parameters are. 
shit. What's he carrying? Right. I mean, I'm going deep to explain to expel to explore that and pull that out. I don't know if that's true, but I mean it makes sense to me that I would be that I want to know like okay, what are we talking? Is right. it an Uzi? Am I getting strangled? Is it a crowbar? Is it like yeah, does he have rope? Is it a garage? Yes. Is there, it everyone in the house? Is it right. the pets too? What are what's the point? What's the motivation? Let me understand this because this is a risk I have. I want I, there's two things now pulling me two ways. One is an immediate response to this, and that I think men do have a similar drive. Some men, uh, hashtag not all men, not all men. Yeah, hashtag not all men. Um, but uh, you know, it is kind of all men actually. <laughs> uh, as a man, it, it's all of us. Uh, but I think that a lot of men feel the same impulse of like, what do I do if a killer breaks in? But as evidence with my gruff man voice, (laughs) (laughs) I telegraph this, they think about like, how am I going to be tough and fight? And a lot of guys cannot fight to save their life. I, as a person who has grown up doing martial arts my entire life, I know that I can't even fight. Sure, especially in an unexpected situation. With a knife or a crowbar, you know, or a gun or anything. And so I think a lot of guys will maybe get either they'll they'll love action films or, you know, martial arts Mm. or something, but sometimes it goes super far and they get really into weapons or guns or they just kind of become like psoriasis creeps. And you see those guys and sometimes it's chill, you know, whatever, but sometimes like, oh no, you're the one who's going to break into somebody's house. You're the murderer. We only broadly assume those people are the murderer because it's like, well, look at all your weapons and you're insane right. and you're, you're talking with a gruff voice. But what you're saying makes so much sense to me. Of course, there would be, I mean, we know we don't have a shot unless we're cunning, unless we know ahead of time what the possibilities are. Right. We're not getting out from our physical strength alone. You guys are probably not either, but at least there's Especially not me. I'm very small. Sure. But at least there's a suggestion that you could in the world, not at least, there is a suggestion that you could, and so you feel a responsibility to make that possible. (laughs) And not even a responsibility. You feel like a cultural mandate to make mm. that pod back to fuck toxic masculinity. Wait, what's their quote? What's uh, I think it's toxic masculinity ruined the party again. I think so. Yeah. In this case, yeah. Thank, thank you. We finally got your voice on the cast. <laughs> and now your laugh. Um, there's like, oh, well, I have to be a big tough guy and know how to fight. And for some people, they take that too far to the realm of like, I'm going to be obsessed with all of my knives, even though maybe I don't know how to use them. I understand the impulse because there's a, uh, it's not, you're right. It's not even a responsibility. There's a mandate. (laughs) Yeah. The idea that you can, I mean, it's similar to the idea that we are supposed to be mothers, right? Right. We're supposed to be innately capable of that. You're supposed to be innately capable of. Like defending yourself. Killing. killing. Actually, I think I speak too soon. If the apocalypse happened, I know that I would go feral real quick and I'd be good at it. <laughs> yeah. But right now, I like if an intruder came in, I'd, I've got a switch. I, I could either be great at it or yeah. I could be really bad at it. Yes. And I kind of wish I had more of an opportunity to be bad at it. So what would you, let's say tonight, right. someone came in your window in the bedroom. What's your first move? Uh, I think if I'm still sleepy, I would hit him. But let's say... If I'm wide awake, I would be afraid. Is the is the window right by the bed? Uh, right over the bed. 
Okay, so he would already be down, able to reach. You can reach each other if he's already coming in the window. Before I have consciously realized that I am a weak person and can die, (laughs) I would be up there, like, trying to kill him. But the second I realized, wait, no, I'm, like, small, I... So there's the part of me that, like, yeah, I've done martial arts for a while, but it's not like that. That can only do so much. It can only give you so much. But, like, there's a part of me secretly that thinks that I have the capacity to kill. Right. But that part of me is not my conscious self. And when I realize, oh, God, I can also be killed, and I'm very weak. Right. Like, I am astonishingly, for a person who (laughs) keeps fit, like, I have a fairly fit body, and, like, I can do things like handstand push-ups and stuff. But it's the stuff that holds my muscles together. (laughs) It's not the muscles themselves. It's, like, my tendons and my bones. Your sinew. My sinew can just be (laughs) torn to shreds. And I know It is. I can be ripped apart. Uh, And I... think we are hearing this fun improv. Yeah. Oh, man. It sounds, like, way more fun than we're having. I I actually think it's adding a wonderful soundscape to our (laughs) horror. For those of you who who don't know, we record uh, in the back of an improv school, which is the worst place to get audio, no matter how much inside of an egg carton you stuff around. (laughs) Uh, I know that, depending on my mental state... I know that I could be killed, or if I have forgotten that, I think I would be fine for a little bit. Sure. I don't think if I'm in your situation and he comes in the window, my first instinct is to go up and try and kill him. My my reptile brain is run. Fight or flight, right? Right. I'm flighting because I know there's no world. And and then what? But I totally, completely understand and would probably hope the person in my house who's not me would have the same impulse to go toward it and at least slow it down. Yeah, I guess. I guess I. it depends on how fast. If I got there fast, I think I could... Also, if like if he's got a knife, though, no, I'm going to get stabbed. Like, are you, and are you going to run? If you uh, see him with a knife, are you grabbing Michelle and running? It depends how fast it goes. Like if I see him with a knife but I'm already there, I'm dead. Right, but if well, I see him, a knife doesn't work that fast. If, he might get a few good swings. I right. mean, if we're like as close as you and I are, I mean, I I'm assuming he's stabbing me, not slashing me. If yes. he's stabbing me, I think about this stuff all the time yeah, but too. These guys right? aren't experts; they don't know how to fucking stab. That's somebody. true. If he's slashing at me, I think I can get my arms up in the way and run. Yes. But I pass out. If I see not blood, blood I'm fine with. It's incision <gasps> into skin makes me pass out. <gasps> I so, bet not in this situation. That's true. Adrenaline would keep me going. Yes. Adrenaline or would Michelle keep me, would keep me Michelle going. would keep me going. Yes. If he was threatening Michelle or my cats, I think <laughs> I could put my life on the line and even die because this doesn't feel like a mandate. I think I have it. And many people do. I don't think it's gender. Yes. The will to protect someone. But if I don't have to protect somebody, oh, God, I am a coward. Me too, man. And I don't want to get stabbed. Yes. I don't want to get stabbed either. Yeah. Okay, I want to segue into the thing that you got me really excited about before I started talking about, like, men's obsession with, Uh like, self-defense. Yes. And that is that I fucking love that the internet has created this. And this is, I think, a thing that's genuinely good about true crime podcasts, especially what you're talking about is, like, this is now a community of how we can learn and be safe and better ourselves in our own way. Not in like 
because the way that people are always talking about, oh, how you protect yourself is like, one, what did you do? It's your fault. Right. You should learn martial arts, which we just talked about. Is you sh- Everybody should learn martial arts. I sure. think that's super important. But it's only going to help you so much. Right, right. Right? And like instead, what are other ways that you can – like, we can teach each other to not get fucking stabbed. And yes. that reminds me a lot of what's going on right now with, like, all this Harvey Weinstein shit. It's like, let's talk about what's actually going on. Yeah. Let's be open about the fact that men in power and oftentimes just men in general are sexually harassing us, raping us, like, doing awful things. And we need to communicate about that yeah. and take our power back. I was just telling my husband last night, you know, because the Harvey Weinstein thing, I think, for a lot of women has made us all start to list the stuff for ourselves, right? Oh, well, if I haven't experienced a full-on rape, which many of us have, what are my terrible stories? Let me be honest with myself. And it's awful to unpack them. They're more than you want to think about. But I kept describing to him this moment where I had a guy flash me once on a date in a really inappropriate, weird time, not even sitting next to me, standing after a shower, just flashed me, right? Now, you don't necessarily think that's going to violence. It was a first date, but you don't think that's going to violence. But I was so terrified and and shocked and scandalized by it. You know what I mean? Right. That I remember, and he was older than I was, and I was young. I was probably 19, And I was at his apartment. So I already was feeling uncertain. You know, when you're a young lady, you're really, your wires are up. When you're a woman at any time, your wires are up and out, right? But as especially 19, whatever. Flashes me. And I don't, in retrospect, I don't think anything bad would have, could have, no, what am I saying? Of course something bad could have happened. In the moment, I didn't actually think he's going to hurt me now. But it was a sign that I don't have control over the situation and I don't know what to expect. And I instantly felt like I got smacked across the face like like you're a little kid, like, you know, getting your nose rubbed in shit. You feel right. shocked and scared. And I left in what I can only describe as a flurry, not looking back, literally feeling like I could be being pursued down his hallway Jesus. right now. And I don't know if I even was being pursued down his hallway, but you get this sense, this sick sense that you can't stop, and it leads you to tears. It leads you to flight and tears. And I ran down the stairs, ran out of his house, ran home across New York City, sobbing. Fuck. And, you know, this is just a no- I, I wasn't being triggered from some other event. This was just a normal night in my life. And I would see him later. Uh, he owned a crepery near my house. I would see him on the street. He had a kid. He had these two dogs, these beautiful dogs. And I would see him in the park and stuff. And he would be like, Jen, I think he probably wanted to mitigate it or make an excuse or make smooth it over, have right. another date, try and have Maybe he fine. didn't realize it was so terrible. Absolutely. I, did, I do think that he didn't understand why I got so freaked out. And I don't think that was – my reaction was – uh, met his intentions for him. I think he was really surprised that I had that reaction, right? I, n- I, w- I never would cross the street. I ignored him if I heard him yelling my name in the city. I-, I saw him, Jen, like walking down the street. I would pretend like I didn't know him. Not because I was mad, but because it was like, dude, like you're, a, you, you're an ex. Like you're a bad, there's a red X on you. I can't risk it. You put me in a situation that made me feel like 
things could go here and there, and I can imagine myself in your bedroom not being able to get out. Oof. And I can't have that be a possibility, and so I know that feeling, and I will listen to it. And it's like we are looking out for that at every possible moment, and just because you have only flashed me, I have the same feeling that I feel if you pull the knife. Because I, not because I see your dick as a knife, <laughs> but because this means that you're not thinking of whether or not I'm scared. And by the way, all men should be thinking when they're with women in a sexual environment that we are first scared. And that might be a horribly controversial thing to say, but we're scared until we know that you're not going to hurt us. Controversial, yeah, but like should have been taught way sooner, I think. I'm saying that as a man who, like... We're excited and we like you and we're crushing on you, but we're also scared. We don't know what the fuck to expect. It's it's a thing that I, if I have any younger male listeners listening, that's a thing that I, God, I wish I would have heard earlier in my life because... You think you're the you're the one who's scared, you know? Like, right. oh no, but I'm not cool. But like, totally. you're also the part of the human species that's way more likely to kill or rape somebody. Yeah, like rejection hurts, but getting murdered is a lot worse. So like, I get that people. I totally get that, and I've thought a lot about how it must be to feel to be a guy and have to be putting yourself out there, especially when you're a young guy and trying to figure out how to navigate those feelings of interest and desire, but potential rejection, your ego. I don't get why it turns violent, but I can sympathize with all the feelings that go on for someone. Like lead up to the violence. I think probably that's a thing that you can chalk up to toxic masculinity like pretty safely. Yeah, it and, is, and right. most men are not going to go violent when they're scared and they feel rejected and their ego's bruised. Most men are not going to get violent with you, but a lot of men will, physically or verbally, or right. you could die. So that's why the Harvey Weinstein thing is so terrifying because if we have sex with you when we don't want to, we're literally in a physical situation where you can kill us. So we don't, we're not going to put ourselves in that situation. Also, we don't have to have sex with anyone we don't want to. But let's say we wanted to just get it over with. Well, you could kill me. I don't know that you won't. You demanded I fuck you. Yeah. So it's just like, to me, and I think for a lot of women, a nasty comment, a whistle on the street, is the very beginning of a tiny pink flag that leads to a red flag that leads to don't be alone in a dark alley with that guy. And we don't know. So I take you as someone who I've never felt threatened by ever. Right. So I know you're not a creep and I could be alone in a dark alley with you. You could change at a moment's notice and I have to, you know, be prepared for that. Yeah. But I've scanned you and I get it. But that that guy who flashed me, he might just be a flasher. <laughs> it might never go beyond right. that. He might lay girls all the time by doing that. It might have just been an invitation. But I can't risk it and so I shut it down and I'll, he'll never be on the list of people I can be alone in a dark alley with. And so you feel maybe more trained because you have you have these other people's stories that you can listen exactly. to. Exactly. It's like running through if you're I don't know if you're an X-Men fan they like have the danger room where they run through scenarios and like it's yes. you know it feels real but it's not real. It's like running through that a million times. Yes. Do you feel like the fact that there are these podcasts make you feel less alone in your fear of getting murdered, but do they also make you feel less alone in the fact that you aren't this 1950s straight-down-the-line white picket fence person? 
Yes. I really appreciate that other people are into it and not grossed out by it. Like, I find it to be so, like, the way men who are into, people who are into sports roll their eyes when people are like, oh, this again? What's the score? You know? Right. I roll my eyes when people are like, I don't get it. Why are you into that? Like, you boys will tease us about it on the, in Money Pit. It's so trite. It's so pedestrian to me when people are like, it's gross. It's like. No, it's really fun and interesting, and you're weird. It's just so niche. It's so, and also I've never had anybody tell me because I, I don't know. I could listen to a podcast, but it's just it's not my shit. I don't get right excited to hear like a droll Australian man tell me about a murder, but hearing you tell me about why you like hearing these people tell you about murders <laughs> is a whole nother story. Like that's interesting to me, and now I get oh well, that's why you care. Yeah, I feel seen by you, Alex. I really do. I feel like you get it. Namaste. I've tried to explain this to you before. I mean, we haven't talked in this depth. Right. But I've tried to explain this to you before, and I think you might understand now. Now I, yeah, well, I I get it way more than I ever would have, because then it was like, why would you, Yeah. this is horrifying. Yeah, and I think it plays into the the stuff about women where we're black widows, or we're going to kill you in the night, you know, or right. we're evil, manipulative, and it's like, they like all these murder shows, like, what the fuck? But we're just trying to stay alive. We're just trying to figure, like, what's what's on the list? Where are you coming in? The window? Can you come through the toilet? Do you wait in the back seat? Looks like you do. Okay, great. Check that off the yeah, you know. That's something, that's on my bucket, that's on my checklist, <laughs> my bucket checklist now, because if you don't do that checklist, you'll die. Yeah, exactly. Just know your exits. Take wow. your pepper spray. So it's a, it's oh, a and here's safety one, thing. One other thing I would like to say about it, actually, that I think is a global good. Another thing these podcasts have done, and particularly My Favorite Murder, but all of them will talk about this, is that there is something called, I think it's the McDonald triad, that basically refers to the three things that can happen to you in childhood that can be a heavy predictor for you killing someone later in your life. I can't remember all of them. <laughs> okay. But I think they're these three. Listeners, you can look them up, and if it's not called the McDonald Triad, again, please trio. don't. McDonald Trio? Please don't reach out to me on social <laughs> media and give me that boost. Don't make a big stink about it yeah. online. Um, cruelty against animals, right, is right. obviously one that we all know about. I think one of them is bedwetting into later childhood. But one of those alone is not going to do it. You have to have all three. And the third one is a head injury, which time and time and time and time again, these murderers have the two, and then they're conked on the fucking head for some reason or another. That's some Flintstone shit. Is that not insane? And then they become fucking murderers. Now, again, people do kill who don't have that background. Lots of stuff. But that's something they've been able to isolate. And on My Favorite Murder, a lot of these killers have traumatic head injuries. Holy hell. So that is interesting to me, too, because I don't necessarily think people are wired to kill each other. I think that there's a set of circumstances that goes on, and then it ends up happening. Wow. Even in serial killers. Something that pushes them over the edge. Well, this McDonald trio, for instance, like right. a serial killer, you have these two predilections. Maybe you're abused by a parent or you have a parent who's a murderer themselves or you've seen kill other people or abused your mom or abused you. And then this head injury. So I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting that, you know, you, you or I aren't just going to walk out of here and go nuts. But there is a set of circumstances that 
so we can have some empathy for people who do this too, because we're not all, it's not a circus freak show, right? Like we're, right. you know, people, people murder each other. It's tragic. It's fucking tragic that it happens. It happens all, every day, all the time. Families are destroyed over it. So I think it's so interesting that there's stuff to be learned, not just about the victims and about potential victims, but also about the people who do this, that they're not just born rotten and there's no way around it. Cause it's just not true. If I could sum up, I think, what I've seen as the good that you've laid out, it's that going off of my base assumption on life that shit is really a mess. It's Yes, it is a mess, but here's a way to look at it with kind of a magnifying glass that lets you connect to the whole circumstance of what's awful. So you're connected to the world. You're not... Yeah, you're, you're not in denial about you're it. You're not in denial about it. You're not running from it. You're not... You're trying to protect yourself honestly, not by shutting everything out, but by understanding what could be out there. Right. I mean, it's sort of like your point that some guys like to watch action movies. My husband, Kevin, loves an action movie. I couldn't see him owning a gun, but he loves action movies. Here's what I'd do if I was John Wick and I had to kill all these Russians. I'd go bang, and then I'd roll, and then I'd do a sidekick, and then bang, bang. Yeah. Right? And it's like, no, you wouldn't. If you had to kill Russians, they would jump you, and you'd die. But it feels good. Yeah, but he's got the tactics, Yeah, he's got the tactics. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. I think you're so right. It's it's a way to take ownership over over that, you know, The nightmare that we live in. Yeah. I think... I think we've reached a beautiful ending point. <laughs> I So I want to hear some last words from you, and then I want plugs and where people can find you on the internet. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk about this, because I obviously care about it. Hell yeah. Um, but it's it's fun to like really think about the way that it's positive, because it is one of those dark hobbies that people don't think people are weirded out by. And I, I, it's so fun to think about the good in it. So that's so thank you for having well, me. I mean, that's this is my like. That's your deal, hobby. right? I like hearing what other people like because I'm it. not that interesting myself. <laughs> it's a, it's inspiring though that you're uh, so curious. I love that. No, oh, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jen Curran. That's about it. I don't like to talk on the phone, so never call me. Yeah, I don't actually don't ever call anyone. Don't call what is anyone. it? 1990. Get are the you, fuck off you your phone. Text. You're murder so you're going to kill somebody? You're looking to... Yeah, no, two, I agree two, with you. Two on the nose? No, it's, <laughs> it's good. Go for it. Get further in that yeah. nose. No, no Instagram? I do have an Instagram. You can go there. Ms. Jen Curran. M.S. Jen Curran. I follow you. Yeah. Can Should people find Harvard Sailing Team? I know you guys just dropped some yes, new shit. Yes, great point. Harvard Sailing Team is my sketch comedy group. We have a uh, YouTube. I think that that still exists, YouTube. HST Sketch Comedy on YouTube, but you can also find us at harvardsailingteam.com or HST Sketch Comedy on Twitter. And we do a show once a month at The Nerdist, the first Saturday of every month at 8 p.m. It's a really good show. Big fun show. $5. Come on out. But yeah. Hard to get that good of a deal on comedy. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every possible listen I get. Like I've said a million times, the show is entirely spread off of word of mouth. So if you like it, Please share it with a friend. Give me a review on uh, iTunes, on the iTunes store. I know that's annoying when podcasts ask you to give them reviews. I hate it. It makes me want to murder somebody. But if you're a better person than Jen or I and know you're not a murderer, instead of that, why not give me a review? Uh, Thank you, and I will talk to you guys soon. Have a good day.
the Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.